Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organisations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges, joined by relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. And my name's Lucinda, I'm sure you know me by now. And this week I'm going to do a solo episode and it's gonna be a little bit of a mop-up episode in terms of the fact I'm gonna focus in on what I'm calling the five themes or pillars of change. The reason I want to focus in on that is that this anniversary almost passed me by. It's actually a year, well, it was a year last Friday when you hear this on the 21st of May, since I published my book, How to Be a Change Superhero, published by Practical Inspiration Publishing. We had a lockdown book launch, which was actually a marvellous experience and success. It was completely you know, it was at the start of lockdown, if you remember, it was beautiful sunshine, unlike this year. And it was really exciting. We're learning lots of new things. There was lots of change going on this going into lockdown that we're now quite used to do, using technology, doing a book launch on Zoom, which caused lots of um, excitement and challenge. And um, I was really fortunate to achieve bestseller status on Amazon in two categories, which was an absolutely amazing honor. If anyone listening helped contribute to that by buying the book, I'm really grateful. Thank you so much. And I thought, you know what? It's really easy. I don't know about you. You sometimes achieve goals like writing a book and publishing it. And then you move on, don't you? You don't get a chance to celebrate. So I actually thought it was a bit of a damp squib in some ways, not being able to go out and have big parties in London, although clearly much more cost-effective doing it virtually. So I thought it's a year on and I need to celebrate this. And just while I mention this as well, in, in three or four weeks' time, it'll be two years since the HR Uprising podcast was launched which again is quite amazing. We managed to get to number one in Amazon, uh, not Amazon, sorry, in Apple podcast there. So two real achievements I'm going to just celebrate here. And don't worry, I'm not going to go on about that for, forever. What I wanted to do really though is therefore pick up some of the, the, the great content that's out there. There's so much useful stuff in change. I Over the last year since I launched a book, I've also developed a virtual training course. We've run two cohorts on it. I absolutely love working with the guys on that. We always have small, intimate groups and we get really practical about changing our organisation. In fact, the most recent cohort's just finished and the next one kicks off in September and I'll give details at the end of that, but you know where to go. You can go to hruprising.com and find things usually. But we've also taken it forwards. We've got um, 360 when, when we run the training course, it's got 360 feedback that's aligned with it. I've um, recorded an audible audio book and we've even got e-learning content all about this, you know, the, the fundamental 
skills and models that you can use to make change better in your organisation. And that's what I'm passionate about. So I wondered whether I could do my own Blinkist style summary and pick key themes that people that when I'm working with them on the change course find particularly valuable. We end up really debating that they find very useful applying to their own organisations. Focus in on those five key themes. I'm going to try and keep it high level because I know you know I can go on sometimes, but really just because all of the content's out there already, I'm just going to signpost it to you again. So the five key things that I'm going to talk about are developing the attributes of a change agent, which actually goes right back to the very first podcast on the HR Uprising I ever did, understanding the emotions associated with change, some tips on how to manage large-scale change, the importance of selecting the right people to surround yourself with when you are delivering change, and of course, how to communicate change, which is probably, you know, encompasses it all as one of the most important things to do. So what I'm going to do now is just discuss each of those five themes in turn without going too much into the detail of the previous theory which is available. So I hope it will be easy for you to follow um, and hopefully bring some fresh insights to it. So the very first one is all about the attributes of a change agent. And I seem to like the number five because within the book, part one is about five superpowers of a change superhero. It was also the very first podcast episode, as I said earlier, that I did on the HR Uprising. So it's a little bit weird going back and listening to that because I was uh, very nervous when I recorded that. So that model itself extended somewhat in the book as I gained more clarity about what I felt the skills were. And so if you haven't read the book, the five powers that I would talk about, which are basically attributes that we need to be able to hone if we're going to be successful at delivering, managing, supporting change are first of all courage, so having the courage to lead ourselves and others, and that's the one I'm going to major on as, as in terms of this theme, so I'll come back to that one. The second one is our ability to connect to strategy, which is making sure that people understand why. One of the main reasons why change doesn't land well is because people don't understand why. That's because it's not necessarily communicated or corroborated well. So by corroboration and all of these have got supporting podcasts in there. It's about helping people to feel persuaded to want to change rather than having change inflicted on them. And it's also giving people the evidence that change is necessary. Four is communication. Communication, 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 like location, location, location is so important. It cannot be underestimated. And it's not just telling people how we tell it to people, it's the way in which we tell it to people and the language we use, which links into corroborating change properly. And then finally, I talk about um, collaboration, which is actually going to be a point, which is the last one in terms of, the, sorry, the fourth of my, my themes, which is about surrounding yourself with the right people. So I'll come back to that and emphasise it. So really what I'm saying there is we need to be self-aware if we are change agents, we need to be flexible we need to know how we respond to change. We need to know how others respond to change. And the superpower that just to focus in on is this one of courage, which I see as being something that sometimes you find yourself, let's say you are in an HR role and you don't always have the confidence to challenge people. Maybe you don't like conflict. And quite often what we need to do is make sure that we have the we're brave enough to 
And I don't mean call out in an argumentative way, but just to challenge unhelpful behaviours, often by leaders, because quite often we are, we might not be board members, we might be people who are highly involved in a change, but the sponsors are senior to us. And one of the ways I think is about us being brave enough to talk to people up front and say, all right, so if you're sponsoring this change, this is what we need you to say, and this is what you can't say or can't do. Um, If we think about people in the new ways of working at the moment, that might mean that um, the board level sponsor has said, yes, absolutely, we want to encourage everybody to work flexibly, but then puts out a three-line whip that everybody in his team has got to come in and do face-to-face board meetings on whatever day of the month. So they might unintentionally derail the change by their behaviours. And actually, we need to be courageous enough to challenge that if we see it in a really constructive way. So I'm not talking about being argumentative. And that's that's the courage of being a change agent, I think, is worth us really challenging ourselves to have. So if you want to look more in terms of the superpowers of a change um, agent, uh, my very first HR Uprising podcast episode talks about that in slightly different terminology, as I say, because I reshaped it for five C's for the book. and um, But the same principles are there. The second element of change that I will hone in on and this is probably the area that people know the most about if you said oh did you have some change training someone's been through change training they almost certainly were shown the transition curve or the change curve so I won't go into this in huge amounts of detail either because actually episode 55 was all about this admittedly it was at the time we were going into covid so there's some context there about going into it maybe there's going to be a similar context reversed as we come out of it which is still a change but in case you are a listener who hasn't come across a change curve it stems back to work by someone called elizabeth kubler ross she originally focused in on bereavement well she did she was focusing on the emotions people go through when bereaved and it can be applied to other areas of change I use different language, so not bereavement language, because not everybody feels that that's appropriate for the workplace, but I don't think it's appropriate for the workplace. You don't have to get depressed about a a change in the workplace. So we just keep it very simple to being four quadrants where people can go through denial, resistance, potentially acceptance, but then into exploration and commitment. And the reality, really the takeaway I wanted to share here on this one it came out of when we've been working with a customer supporting them with their new ways of working training and some people responded negatively to the change curve because they felt it was well related to bereavement Um, also because they'd had a bad experience where someone shared with me that they had once been in a situation where a trainer was saying to them that well, they, they, were, they were genuinely fed up with the circumstances of a change and they were in resistance, in the natural stage of resistance, where you feel cross about it, you feel angry, you have got lots of questions, you don't really understand why it's happening, um, you're pushing back on it. Now, what they were told is that, well, don't worry about it, you're just going to get through to commitment, this is just part of the journey, which I thought was really simplistic. And actually, the reality is people don't necessarily make it through the change curve necessarily or I don't I don't believe that they will do in the time frame you'd want them to if we don't adapt our behavior as change agents to help them through it 
So this particular individual found that really frustrating that no one empathised with her, even though she had legitimate grievances about this particular change. Instead, they said, well, you know, it's, it's just going to come um, and you'll be fine. You'll get, you'll get through it into commitment before you know it. Rather than saying, OK, tell me what your concerns are. Empathising, even if you can't fix the concerns, it's about us um, meeting people where they are emotionally and then helping them process those emotions. You might not be able to fix them. I'm not saying you have to fix them, but having some level of em empathy for those if people are in resistance. If people are in denial, yes, you do have to say, this change is here to come. But that's the, that's the point really, is that we need to be flexible if we are going to be change experts, change agents. And it's about us adapting our style based on where people are in the transition curve and in an appropriate way, which then in turn allows them to process the change and head through to commitment in their own way. So if you want to know more about um, the emotions associated change and the change curve, that's my second theme, understanding the emotions associated with change. And that was podcast episode 55. So you could go back and listen to that one and you might well find it's of value. My third point is, I think probably my favorite actually, thinking about how we can manage large scale change or business change. I say my favourite, I just think that John Cotter's work on change in this area is really, really useful. And you can see, if you reflect on changes that have worked in your organisation, so if you think of a change that you've been involved in, and when it failed, or when it succeeded, there are certain points, and very often when I talk to, well in fact 99% of the time when I talk to people about where change has worked or not worked, it's, it's broken down at one of two places. And in John Cotter's eight-step theory, he talks about um, you know, creating a vision, a, developing a guiding coalition, communicating the change, goes through then um, resolving problems and then embedding the change. There are two areas, and I map on someone's called Lewin's change curve, um, sorry, Lewin's freeze-refreeze model about change theory. And if you map that over... Cotter's eight-step model, the point at which you unfreeze an organisation and in terms of starting the change, and Lewin would say you can't start a change if you don't unfreeze the organisation, is at the point where your guiding coalition, your group of people have decided to start communicating the change. So that's one place. And when I talk to people, I can often see that organisations think that they've delivered the change when all they've done is told people about it. Now I'll return to that point because actually communication of change is the main thing so they might not have told them in a very effective way. Um, frequently enough Cotter actually says you need to communicate change 10 times more than you think you need to but certainly just being alert that if you're involved in the changes remember communicating the change is just not going to do it on its own. You've got to have a series of other activities. I mean, Cod talks about have quick wins to show people that the change is here to stay or it's succeeding. That, of course, helps people move through the change curve into commitment. So communicating change is not delivering change. That's simple takeaway. And then the other one, which is fascinating to me, is I've seen changes be put in place and it, they get some quick wins but these are never built on. The change is never turned into business as usual. And my theory on why that often is, is often to do with the fact that you have the wrong people uh, 
I suppose, associated with it. And that links into my fourth point where I'm going to talk about having a change curve, a change league. So if you have the wrong people, essentially feeding into that point, um, what happens is that then the change is not fully embedded. And often we get distracted by other changes that come along. So all that hard work that's been put in place, it never really, the, the benefits are not are not realised because we don't put that effort to build on that change, to embed it, to turn it into business as usual, which means that some people slip back to old behaviours and you don't necessarily get the value of it. So Cotter's large-scale change model, uh, I think it's really, really useful. Um, you can go into it in much more detail. Podcast episode 19, Delivering Organisational Change. We go all about that there. And, and, and we can exp- um, you can look at that in more detail. And again, all of these are obviously in the book or you can listen to the Audible, um, going to all of these theories in, in more detail. So building on that principle about Cotter's change model and making sure that we try not to fall a cropper at those points of either communicating change and thinking that's the same as delivering it and not embedding change, the importance of surrounding yourself with a change league that is my fourth key theme. So it's being aware that all of us, whatever our personalities are, we've got different preferences when it comes to change. So the one that I've often thought about, I, I mean, if you, many people are familiar with Myers-Briggs, whatever you think of Myers-Briggs, some of us are preference, some of us have preferences that are more approach, are more likely to be attracted to change, for example. So if you've got an intuition preference or a perceiving preference, you might well quite enjoy change probably the start of change because it's something quite new and fresh. Whereas if you're more of a sensing or a judging um, preference, then you are probably going to be better at implementing and following through and maybe linking into things like uh, Belbin's model, where we talk about resource investigators who are great at starting, but usually not so good at finishing, and people like implementers and completer finishers. So What I'm saying here is that just be aware of your own natural preferences. It may well be if you are someone who's often involved in change that you are quite naturally good at starting change. Are you therefore good at finishing change? And if it's only if it's only something short term, six weeks, three months, fine, you can probably keep your energy going. But where I've seen great success in terms of implementing Cotter or people avoiding failing is where they've brought in people to the change team. When you get into that implementation stage, that delivering business as usual, that's where you want those people who are, you know, the completer finishers. They dot the I's, they cross the T's, they like to hit the deadlines, they keep on driving and they implement, they keep on pushing. Whereas those people who are great at getting started have probably um, run out of steam. So be aware if you're involved in a change and, and when you're, if you're working with a team of people, quite often on that change team, you will have people in it because of their role, um, their technical role or their um, hierarchical role. And it may have nothing to do with their personality. And it could well be that the same sort of people end up, you end up having a team of people who are all personality wise very similar, which is meaning you're going to have the same blind spots. So just be alert to the part that personality can play in whether or not you're going to be successful as a change league. And my final theme is all about communication. So obviously these all link together. Um, And as I said earlier, Cotter says that you need to communicate change 10 times more than you think you do. And I suspect it's even more than that now in the environments that we're in with so much noise. So the point really here, though, is 
This is back to influencing people to want to change. It's about our corroboration. Um, it's about helping people through the change curve. It's helping people process change. And there's two episodes that particularly link into this. That one is the episode, which is episode 65, Practical Persuasion Strategies, where I talk about Lencioni's um, six influencing styles. And my experience of being large organisations is that we tend to be quite generic about communication. It lacks some colour and it, with really relatively little adaptation, you can say exactly the same facts, but just putting a bit of influencing language. So whether it's about appealing to authority, so referencing others who have done it or social, um, so the third parties, case studies, motivating people. There's different ways in which if we are aware of how we are influenced, we can use these positively when we're communicating change, which helps people process it and come to terms with it more effectively. The other podcast is um, episode 58, which is all about a format system for communication. And that's, again, another really straightforward model. It's really practical. And actually, that one's got downloads that you can use and templates that you can use. Quite a lot of the podcasts, if you check the podcast page, may well have useful tools that you can download and use. And actually, I will remind you, if you want to go and download the Change Superhero Toolkit, which is free, the link is in my book, but it's free for anybody who wants to get access. There's loads of fantastic resources in there. It's just www.changesuperhero.com. So there's lots of change resources that you can go and access there and, um, and download, whether you want to do culture change, um, things about Cotter, slides, communication styles that you can use. But the format model, it talks about um, structuring a communication. So if you're doing a written email or communication, it's quite useful. So you might start at the stage, you know, why are we doing this? So going back to our influencing, helping people understand the why is useful. Uh, why, what it is we're going to do, how we're going to do it, what if we do do it, and what if we don't do it, which that comes into sort of carrot and stick motivation. So that's really basic. It is very straightforward and simple, but sometimes the most useful things are straightforward and simple. So that's quite a useful tool if you're having to write communication um, to get people to buy into things. So those are my five themes that I thought to do with change, which summarise some of the content which we've done previously, but hopefully maybe signpost you to things. I've referred to, to different takeaways, I think, from what's covered in the episodes, because the episodes would relate to the time at which they were um, written or, uh, I suppose, spoken. Um, but the five themes that I'm saying that to, to do with change, which is my blinkest summary of the How to Be a Change Superhero book, but clearly you can get much more out of it if you want to go and get the book. It's still available on, on um, Kindle, paperback, anywhere you wanted to go, you can go and get it. You probably have to order it in towards stones because bookshops haven't been open, but it'd be great if you would like to go and do that. Um, it's develop the attributes of a change agent. It's to make sure that we um, understand the emotions associated with change and are prepared to meet people at the level that they're at to help them through change. It's thinking about how do we manage large scale change and avoid the classic traps at the unfreeze and refreeze stages. It's about making sure that we have the right people around us. So not just people who are like us, actually probably people who are not like us because that will increase our chance of having a successful change because we'll have different strengths and gaps. And it's about communicating change in a really, really effective way. So there's loads of great resources there. Really hope that they are of use to you. As ever, hruprising.com is where you can go and find those podcast episodes. 
So if you're looking, if you're thinking, okay, which were they again, just mentioning that it was podcast episode one, podcast episode 19, uh, 55 and 58 and 65. And they're all, if you just go to hruprising.com and click on change um, on the categories on that homepage, then that will bring up anything that we've got to, to do with change. The other link I said was the www.changesuperhero.com, completely free. Uh, it's where you can download some great toolkit resources um, on change. And if you want to do more on change, I run my Change Superhero training course. As I say, it's an opportunity to work directly with me. It's a really intimate group. Um, we keep the numbers small. I really enjoy it. The next one is not going to kick off till September because we've just closed one. And we've got other resources too. If you want to train people on change in your organisation, we've got some really great e-learning. I'm pretty proud of that, actually. It's um, really broken. The, there's three modules of e-learning, managing yourself through change, managing others through change and leading change, which if you feel that your organisation could benefit from people being more familiar about change and they're not going to listen to podcasts, but you've Either, you can either use them, our Actus Academy, where we host it if you're a small business, or the modules are available to go on your own um, platform as well, along with the virtual manager modules. So we've got quite a lot of resources that have um, been developed over the last 12 months. When I say it like that, I realise there's loads of stuff. So do take, if you think any of this would be valuable to you, please do um, you know, check it out. Get in touch, talk to us. We're happy to, um, you know, we're developing things all the time in line with where we see the market changing, where we see what people need and want. So, and then finally, one other thing to mention, the next anniversary, which is in about three weeks time, is the two year anniversary of the HR Uprising podcast. I'm so proud of um, how far we've come on this. And thank you so much, those of you who link in with me and tell me that you've got something from it and you, you enjoy listening to it or, you know, your favourite episode is absolutely great. I spoke to I'll actually shout out, shout out to Laura Riley this week, someone that I knew she's been listening to it since the early days. She remembered my netball conversation. So it's so lovely when I get to talk to people who have listened and got value from the podcast. And with that in mind, do join the LinkedIn group. I know it's hard to get LinkedIn. LinkedIn doesn't email you. It's a bit annoying, really, because it's quite hard to get traction in terms of energy there. But it is a way in which we can post things. And to those of you who are interested, it's a way in which we can access um, and share information with you. The reason I'm saying that is we're going to do probably some live webinars or some, some HR uprising activities to celebrate the anniversary. So if you'd like to be part of that, keep an eye on the, on the LinkedIn group because we'll definitely post it in there. Um, if you're not linked in with me, link in with me as well um, because I'll obviously put it out on my social media as well. So hope that was of use to you. Thanks so much for tuning in as ever to the HR Uprising podcast. Thank you for helping me celebrate 12 months since my first book was published. Maybe I need to get on with the second one. What should that one be called? And if you haven't invested in it or um, considered if you want to listen to it, if you are a listener, it's available on Audible. So you could use one of your credits there or if you're not an Audible member, member you can even get it for free. Uh, so do check it out and um, I hope it's of value to you. Thanks so much for listening. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. 
further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.